Hey, Julie Leone here with season two of What's Your Thing? Season one has just been a joyful experience for me listening to people's stories about yoga, permaculture, walking, love, depression. And I continue to have those conversations to inspire myself and you with people who have a thing, a passion, a lifestyle, a mission, maybe a pastime that lights them up, energises them and makes life meaningful. So welcome to season two. Let's see where this journey takes us. Hi, it's Julie here with another episode of What's Your Thing? And today I'm talking to Rob Jones and Rob and I um, used to work together. We were colleagues and this was kind of the biggest joke. Lots of people that had known me a long time laughed when I became part of the science department because actually my degrees in English and social sciences those kind of things so um but it was a lot it was a great department wasn't it when we were both there it was really buzzy last time really good yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. and so Rob yeah Rob was there and he was a physicist and and so they, they talk about things that I didn't understand but I used to sometimes bring my kids to open evenings and Rob was always the guy in the stardome that we used to love to go and see so I so Rob welcome Hi, yes thank you <laughs> um, and maybe tell us even what the star dome is because I guess not everybody will even know what a star dome is no um so yeah I was a, a teacher uh, in the science department there um and then like you said as part of the open evenings part of what we would set up to try and sort of, uh, you know, attract people to the school was the fact that the school had its very own star dome, a, a mobile planetarium. Um, so it's basically a big um, inflated canvas, uh, dome shaped, yeah, like a big igloo. Um, and on the inside uh, has got a computer and a projector. Um, so once you sort of crawl through, uh, and it was a bit of a crawl, yeah. Uh, through through the entrance there, uh, minding your hair on the zip there, um, you'd kind of sit inside and uh, up above your head, uh, 360 degrees, uh, you would have uh, the night sky projected uh, up onto it and it, it allowed us to, to sort of talk about space and physics and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and my job was to do the zip up and make sure it stayed inflated because yeah. that's how skilled I was at physics. But t- so, <laughs> so, how, like... So you're here to talk about star. I think of you as the star man. Right, <laughs> so, okay. Oh, that's, that's very kind, yeah. <laughs> so where did it start that you're interested in the stars? Um, I don't know. The The thing with, like, the, the star dome and the, and the planetarium really came from the fact that when I came to that school that they had this thing there. Not a lot of schools have got their own mobile planetarium, you know, Um but as it happened, when I turned up there, they were like, oh, we've got this this thing here. And I was like, oh, that's really great, because actually I, I used to um, sort of travel around uh, all different schools in North Wales um, with just this sort of equipment um, and do uh, sort of science talks and planetarium talks um, as part of what I used to do before I got into to teacher training. Um, so, yeah, formally... Um, I'd um, got a job, it was about 2012, uh, working for um, a science centre in Wrexham, um, which was, uh, it's, te- well, Technical School Indoor it was at the time, but they've, they've yeah. changed the name more recently. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of where it all started, really. I was um, sort of employed as an explainer there. Um, and that was one part of, of kind of what we did as explainer presenters was, was this sort of planetarium show. Because TechniQuest is again somewhere that I used to take the kids and it was a really just for people that don't know TechniQuest, it's a really hands-on place, isn't it? There's lots of stuff yeah. to touch and fiddle with and experiment with. It, it... Exactly, yes. So it's, it's, a, um, it's a science centre essentially, science discovery centre. Um, I think they go by a different name now, but that's exactly what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, as part of what they did, um, so initially I was employed there as a, an explainer where, so I'd be on the kind of the museum floor, if you like, helping people with the exhibits and um, sort of explaining the science behind what they were doing and what they were interacting with. Um, but then also as part of that, we did uh, science outreach to schools um, yeah. or we would have schools come into us and we would do shows for them. Um, so yeah, the planetarium was kind of part of, of that. And were you actually called an explainer? Um, yeah, I think it was, so the job I would have applied for would have been an explainer slash presenter, I believe, at the time. Um, and then, yeah, I, I guess as, as I grew into that, I was there for about two years, two and a half years, I think. I guess science communicator is, is I guess, the, the overarching yeah. type. That's yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. And I wonder, how is that? Like, what do you think about that language rather than language of teaching? Is there, you know, what's the it, difference? It, it, I mean, it is so different, you know. I mean, I, I was into that, uh, like I say, it was about two two years, two and a half years I worked there. And um, I, I guess the, this, this whole other side of um, kind of education from what I've seen, it, I didn't know, you know, I hadn't done my teacher training at this point. This was a, a job that I'd fallen into. It was like, uh, I'm, I'm interested in science and they, they've got this job going, I'll, I'll go for it, you know. Maybe in the back of my mind thinking perhaps I'll move on to teaching, you know, this will get me working with uh, young people. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe I could go into to some teaching after that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was... In its own right, um, we, we were sort of science communicators with it nationally then. That was kind of recognised as there's mm. a body of, of science communicators nationally yeah. um, that kind of like get together uh, every year. They do like a conference. They, they have different talks um, and, the, you know, generally sort of good practice and uh, how things are going in the world of science communication. So who knew? So how is it now? You have been a teacher as well as a science communicator. What? Just a, is there a big difference? What's yeah, the key difference? I mean, that that kind of two years left me with with a kind of sense of I, I want more from this. You know, we were going into uh, different schools. I could be uh, doing a maths workshop with some uh, year one pupils on one day, and I would be uh, the next day uh, working with six formers in the planetarium, yeah, okay. some astrophysics stuff, you know. Um, so yeah, every day was different, and there was always a different audience to cater to. Um, but I really felt that my job as a science communicator was not to teach it, it was to, to sort of get those ideas across and to engage really more than anything. 
and to inspire that sort of like, oh, right, I, w- I really want to know more about what this this stuff is, you know? So we had like the the big planetarium or we would take in the, the science demos uh, that schools just couldn't do. Um, so if you if you were lucky enough to be able to come to the center you would work with like we'd have some liquid nitrogen there which we're not allowed to use in schools yeah. um, you know so there, there's that sort of element of it that schools couldn't do and that's kind of what we were providing was that spark but it kind of left me with a bit of like i i wanted more than just that inspirational moment i wanted to sort of see it through and to to educate a bit more than just fire yeah. if that makes sense that's interesting, isn't it? The difference. And so, yeah, I like that. So it's almost like you were the ones to hook the kids' interest, but then you wanted to take it into, well, actually embedding that in a relationship, an ongoing yeah, relationship. It's, thing. it's that that was missing, was that relationship. You know, there, there may be, there was times where I visited the same school, you know, perhaps after being there, we were invited back. Or maybe if they had a science week, we would go back the following year. But it was always different kids always different kids and never yeah. the relationship of like I, I guess as teachers you, you know your kids don't you and you know where they yeah. are you know what they've got to do to get to where they need to be at the end of the year or whatever it is um whereas we ne- we never had that as science communicator yeah. it was just like you would turn up you would do this dead interesting thing you, you would have that wonder and that amazement in the eyes that was like oh yeah this is this is cool but then never really get to sort of see yeah. and explain the ideas and, and work with the, the misconceptions or any of that, you know, um, that you may be used, more used to doing as a teacher, perhaps. So do you remember what the hook was when you were a kid that got you into science? Um, I rem- yeah, the first, the first kind of like spacey thing I remember being hooked on was... I, I can vividly remember sort of sitting sitting in my room. I must have been, I don't know, mid-primary school age, sort of six, seven perhaps. And I had like a copy of uh, a Beano. It was like an annual. Yes, not I like remember. a Beano comic, you know, but like an annual, those sort of things you'd get at Christmas sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that I always put back to as like my first memory of space because within there there was a page where like, I know Dennis and Nasha were giving some facts on space or whatever else, you know? Um, and I remember reading about like a black hole for the first time. They had an image of an artist's conception of what a black hole was or whatever it was. And I just remember thinking, wow, there's these things that exist outside the earth that can just like pull the earth into it and kill everybody instantly. That's the, what, what a crazily scary thought uh, that that was for me at the time. And yeah, I, I distinctly remember that book being the, the sort of hook of like, you know, facts of the planets and things like that in there as well. But I, I remember that page about the black hole and I was like, wow, this is this is really interesting and nobody really knows an awful lot about it, you know? No. So, so, yeah. so is that true? Like, so, okay, so don't, so what is a black hole? Can we go right back to space? Because I don't know. And can they really suck us in and kill us? Well, <laughs> kind of, yes, but the, it's, it's kind of no as well. It, 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 you know, um, so I'm really into the astronomy side of things from, you know, the side of science communication and things like that. So, yeah, as, as, as I got older and things, I probably wasn't into science at school. But then in coming to work for, for TechniQuest, again, I, I sort of rekindled my interest in, in all of this and kind of relearned it, if you like, or learned it to a point where I could explain it to, to either a, a toddler or a 16-year-old a sort of thing. 
So black hole is basically a, a remnant of a of a a star that is no longer um, no longer giving out energy. So um, all stars that you see in the night sky are almost exactly like our sun. Our sun is one example of a star. Billions and billions of them, all in different uh, sizes, really. Um, the sun is a fairly average star, um, and it's burning through its fuel. Um, it's turning hydrogen into helium, and as it does so, releasing massive amounts of energy. Um, so, yeah, when when it runs out of hydrogen uh, to turn into helium, when it runs out of the, the, the source, if you like, um, then depending on how big it is, a few different things can happen. So our sun, for example, um, it will uh, run out of hydrogen and it will start to expand and it will expand into what we call a red giant. Um, and then eventually, um, over you know thousands and millions of years, um, it will just sort of, all the stuff that makes it up will just kind of float away. And in the middle, you're left with what's called a white dwarf, kind of like a burning ember of what used to be. So just really, really hot still but no, no longer releasing massive amounts of energy. Um, wow. <laughs> well, hang on, let me just let that settle. So, so, so it's okay, so it's some sort of chemical thing that makes this, I'm going to sound really stupid now, but basically that it will keep expanding and then just float away and we're left with a white hot core, but it's not radiating. Or yeah, so it's it's not giving off the energy that it it formerly was. Okay. Yeah. So uh, nuclear fusion, which I know you you chatted um, to one to of, Colin. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, about about nuclear fusion. Yeah. Um, that's that's what's going on here. Hydrogen is is sort of banging into. It's the natural nuclear fusion, if you right. like, in, in the chain reaction that he talks about. You know, the uncontrolled sort of fusion, uh, releasing that uh, that massive amount of energy so yeah when when that stops happening when there's not enough hydrogen um to turn into helium um then there's there's basically not enough uh gravity yeah because gravity's holding it all together the pressure of fusion is pushing it outwards um so because there's less hydrogen there's less mass so there's not as much gravity so it will expand outwards um and, and become a red giant um but then other stars depending on their size um they what happens with them is that they will expand outwards a bit and then they will start fusing again and they're able to fuse heavier elements so they will fuse helium into oxygen nitrogen uh, carbon and so on oh um, so does that mean they would be habitable uh, no no not at all oh. not the, not the stars themselves no not the stars themselves um but that is where all of the the stuff like that that you see in the universe that's where all of that comes from so all of the, the carbon that's in, the, in your body, all of the nitrogen in the air around you, the oxygen in your lungs, all of that was made inside of stars. Wow. <laughs> this, that's why I love talking to you, because it just blows my mind. Yeah, it's because crazy. It, yeah, because it, it's like that sense of separateness that us little human beings have, that here am I, you know, here am I sitting in my room with the door shut and I'm talking to you in your room, probably with your door shut and yeah. we're separate apart from Zoom. But then you're saying, well, actually, I've just inhaled star product. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, that, and that, that is everything. You know, that's what makes up the, the, the matter in the universe is is the fact that it was fused inside stars is the only place that that is sort of hot enough and that there's enough pressure for for these sort of reactions to take place 
And then what ha what can happen then also is that when those collapse and they run out of those elements that they've been fusing together is that they collapse in on themselves. Now, sometimes the, the collapsing inwards happens and they will bounce back outwards in what we call a supernova explosion. <laughs> yeah, big, bright uh, explosion. Um, sometimes they collapse inwards with such massive force that they actually shed the electrons from the outside of the atoms and they turn into a neutron star. Whoa, 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 back up, back up. You're going too fast. My brain's, sorry, sorry. My brain's, no, my brain's going slow. So hang on. So the, what was the one before the neutron star? So where supernova you... explosion. Yeah, tell supernova me a bit more about that. So yeah. um, where we talked about the, the balance between gravity and pressure, outward yeah. pressure before, um, what happens with heavier stars is that um, everything is nice and balanced for a while, but then once it runs out of those heavier elements to fuse together, um, then it will start collapsing inwards. Um, and um, it gets to a stage where the atoms can't be any closer together. They're, they're collapsed as inwards as they possibly can. And so they all repel each other. And this all happens in you know, the blink of an eye sort of thing. Um, and so, so does it look like an explosion? Can you um, see this? Yes, yeah, supernova. So it will literally, um, uh, it will literally be brighter than all of the other stars within that galaxy combined. And then what happens to so it explodes, and then that because it must create debris. What happens to that? Um, yeah. So kind of. So what comes out of those the supernova normally is what we call a, a, a stellar nebula. Uh, you know these sort of beautiful images that you'll see of of like um, what look like clouds that are coloured all prettily. You know the the sort of things you'll see from NASA um, images that they release. Um, that's that's a stellar nursery. That's literally the remnants of uh, an exploded star and basically what happens then is that over time um, a couple of those atoms will collect together um, and they will gain a bit of gravity and so they will pull more atoms in towards them gaining more and more gravity more and more mass is collected to them uh, until they're eventually this big cloud um, that is very 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 hot um, is rotating around um, because of you know physics and stuff the way that it's all been pulled together um, you've got this big sort of rotating cloud of, of hot gas um, and eventually there's enough mass and enough matter there pulled together um, that that hydrogen that or if there was any uh, hydrogen left over there that that can start fusing once again and you've got another star that's born see that's amazing isn't it and this is why I love, I love talking to you because it just blows my mind. <laughs> just... So this is over millions and millions of years, you know, so you've got these, these sort of uh, clouds of hydrogen that, that sort of do this, they collect together, they start fusing, um, and then all of the stuff that's sort of on the outside of that star, that's, that's what will sort of turn into, into the planets and you and me and all of that. Thing. So it's just the connectedness, but also the re nothing stops does it it's constant energy forming and reforming and shedding absolutely. and yeah absolutely it's yeah it is it is hard to comprehend in one way but then that, you know that's that's where i found that real sort of spark in people being able to sort of talk you know i'm no expert in the field of cosmology or anything like that but you know that's that's the basic process behind it in that you know we, we've got this ongoing cycle of 
uh, of things happening yeah and and how it relates to us as well you don't realize that sort of yeah so 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 many so what is cosmology so like cosmology um astrophysics you know the the study of uh, the night sky basically and right. the study of the stars of the, the cosmos yeah so i want to come back to the what it means for us but let's go back to the the neutron did we get as far as the neutron star we did yes so basically um we've got uh, red giants you know stars about the same size of our sun uh, turning into to white dwarfs eventually um, we've got a supernova explosion where, again, at the centre, you would be left with a white dwarf, perhaps this sort of burning ember of, of what once was. Um, if a star is any bigger than that, um, then what happens is it, it collapses inwards. But the, the gravity, there's so much stuff there um, that it actually manages to pull um, pull uh, the the atoms so close together that they get squeezed into just just their nucleides yeah so just the protons and neutrons that that made them up um and you're left with what's called a neutron star and what does that can you what would that look like if i could see it um i what would it look like um can you see them you can um only because of what they emit. So they right. don't emit visible light, but they emit uh, gamma rays, so really high energy uh, version of light. Um, so they're, they're kind of spinning. Uh, they have massive magnetic fields. Um, but yeah, they, they emit sort of gamma rays. Radio bursts, have you heard of radio bursts? No, what's that? Um, so that's basically when a, a neutron star is sort of spinning. Um, it's emitting uh, radio waves and, and gamma waves uh, sort of from its poles, if you like. Um, and as it's orbiting, um, eventually those sort of uh, those rays sort of pass by the Earth and they're detected as, as kind of what we call pulsars. Um, what so effect does that have on it? Because it sounds like a giant, I don't know, it sounds so spacey, does it like, like, um, science fiction that a great big ray passes over the earth but that must have an effect on the earth um, and yeah kind of but what you have to remember is these things are, are light years away you know they're 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 um very 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 far away compared to um our sun for example which obviously gives us a, a heck of a lot of energy yeah uh, in comparison um so yeah, we're, we're talking, so, yeah, yeah, very, very far away to have minimal effect. Because um, what was that thing? I'm going to sound really stupid now, but I remember when we were working together, there was a ba- there was a big thing, wasn't there? Where there were gamma rays detected that proved was that about black holes or something that proved uh, the existence? Oh, of the- uh, gravitational waves, maybe. Yeah. What was that? In the last couple of years, so yeah, yeah gravity. That was basically. Um, I think it was two black holes merging together. Um, so they were orbiting each other, getting closer and closer. And then as they merged, um, they, they sort of created these, these gravitational waves. Because um, you could see it. Just... I remember you sending me a piece of NASA footage or something where you oh, could, sort could of... see it. Oh, we wouldn't have been able to see that. Oh. I can't think of what that was then. Oh, well, uh, forget, <laughs> I men- forget I mentioned it. I... Yeah, no, I because I wouldn't have fully understood it at the time. So you know what it's like if you don't yeah. fully understand it. So then black holes, because they are the things of all sci-fi things. Yeah. You know, like, I, I mean, I wasn't into that as a kid, but my kids are, uh, you know, and you watch all those, 
just even the Marvel films have ideas, don't they? Like yeah, sort like of linking that. it into current yeah. understanding sort of stuff. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so what's a black hole? So again, when you've got stars that are even bigger than the ones that you know uh, create the supernova or the neutron stars, um, then as they collapse inwards, there is so much stuff there. There is so much matter there that instead of exploding outwards or just being crushed into the size of a tiny space, um, they they just keep falling inwards. So they, they keep... But that's falling. impossible. Where is inwards? You can't keep falling inwards because there's... Like, if I was going into an orange, there would be in, and then after that in, I'd come out. So what, so what, what we're talking about is, and there will be a limit to this, but what we're talking about is an object which has a, a super, super, super huge gravity, you know, a massive gravity. So in terms of its, uh, in terms of its mass, in terms of what it would weigh, if you like, um, it would be, you know, many thousands of stars worth of, of stuff, but condensed into the area that is sort of, I don't know, smaller than, than what you can imagine. Um, yeah, they're really. But how is that? So how? So how does that? I just can't even. How does that happen? Like, how, because I love how you keep using the word stuff as well, and I, I, I really appreciate that you're using that word rather than anything more technical. But how does it all get so condensed? And that's 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 one of the sort of modern sort of mysteries as to uh. where that stuff, if you like, goes. You know. Um, does it in fact um, sort of uh, create these things called wormholes that you mentioned with like the, uh, you know, the Marvel stuff and things like that. Um, we need so to come back to them. We? <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, no expert in that sort of thing, but yeah, you know, does it create that sort of thing? Um, I read an article just earlier. Does it uh, then create its own little universe w within? What, the, within it? Within it, but external to our universe you know oh uh, so would that mean that we could be in a black hole and not know it that's exactly what that could mean yeah exactly <laughs> you know are you are you talking about on the other side if there is another side because we're talking about three-dimensional space here you know trying to trying to make it uh sort of comparable with 2d space if you like you know where you punch a hole in paper yeah um, sort of goes through it but we're talking about three-dimensional space here but yeah on the other side of whatever that might be um yeah could there could there be other universes is that perhaps what what the big bang was you know was was sort of emanating from from a black hole or you know it's it's crazy really crazy yeah so again there's my mind blown again it's <laughs> wow and then a wormhole so what what's the non-marvel definition of a wormhole um again i i, I it, it would be a point in in space that that sort of connects um connects them close than what they are i guess the the analogy is is the bit of paper yeah if you've got two points on a bit of paper point a and point b and then you sort of fold the paper in on itself yeah you could either go the long way around the paper to get from point a to point b or you could sort of go through the this sort of point. Oh, so it's like package. a shortcut. Like a shortcut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a shortcut in space, in three-dimensional space. <laughs> um, yeah. 
So how, like, so, so for me, when I'm listening to this, like when I really listen to it, I think the reason I love listening to you and the reason I couldn't wait to stop inflating the dome and get inside and listen, <laughs> yeah, um, was because it shakes my very sense of reality. Yeah. And what is, you know, I'm, yeah, I've got my hand on the table, the table seems really solid and wood, and yet I could be inside a black hole and I've just inhaled star, star um, exhalation. <laughs> so, yeah. like, what but does it do even, for you? Even then, like, you, you say you've got your hand on the table, and that's just really, that's, you know, one atom repelling another atom, isn't it? And we get this sensation of touch. But actually, the, these atoms never actually touch each other because they, they repel each other. You know, it's electrostatic repulsion, isn't it? Um, that, that's the sort of electrons on the outside of the atoms repelling the other electrons. You know, the, the ones that are on the table are repelling the ones that are on your hand. So are you actually touching that table at all, you know? And, and so... What, so... So, because there's a, the what's that experiment again? I'm going to sound silly. You know where they tried firing things like I don't even where there's the same is it atom in the same yeah. place at once? What's that called? I did used to know that. Oh, the uncertainty principle is. Or the, what you observe that you you know observing things change and. Yes, yeah. So you can sort of you can know the so referring to like uh, electrons and things like that mainly. Um, uh, sort of being able to say that um, observing that these particles, uh, you know, the quantum particles that we're talking about, observing them changes their behaviour. Um, so you can kind of know how fast they're going um, or where they are, but not both at the same time, because by observing it, you're, you're sort of changing its behaviour. Because um, that has huge, doesn't it? For me, that has like it takes me to I don't know you probably I don't know the Zen koan about um the the um if a tree falls down in the wood and there's no one to see it has the tree fallen down in the wood or you know what is the sound of one hand clapping those kind of mind shattering things about well if everything that we observe changes hmm. then there is nothing that's separate from the person who observes it yes is that yeah. like what does it do yeah. to your head? Um, it's it's the same sort of stuff, you know. And again, that's that's kind of beyond the the A level physics sort of level <laughs> of things. But it, it gets you thinking, doesn't it? In terms of, um, in terms of what that means for for that sort of thing. But I I do like the idea of, um, that that comparison with those particular, you know, uh, if the tree falls in the woods, sort of sort of stuff. It, it, is it actually there? Are we actually experiencing this? There's whole sorts of theories that you know people much cleverer than I talk about in terms of um, the hologram universe. That one will really. So what's of, that? What's so that? The, this this thing that we could all be living inside of a computer simulation. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's that sort of thing, and it kind of ties into. Well, that kind of sounds silly, but there, there's whole you know teams in universities dedicated to testing this theory to be able to test if that's actually the case or not it's really crazy so uh, so as you've begun to understand more and more of this has it what how do you think it's changed you because there's kind of like the science 
you're try there's the science that we know there's the science that we don't know but we know that we don't know and obviously there must be things that we don't even know that we don't know exactly don't know. Yeah, yeah and then but also there's you because it's not just the stars out there what you're saying is i've just inhaled a bit of that so what yeah. what does that mean has it changed you understanding that stuff it's it's made me it's made me more curious i think and it, it it sort of gives you license to be more curious you know and i i can talk about some of these things in a very broad way some of it's inaccurate some of it's uh you know based on on a random fact that i might know or whatever it is but it comes down to the fact that, that there's this sort of curiosity there you know that's mm. what i find with me anyway like right why why does that work in in the way that it does how are these two things related to each other and that's that's kind of that's what science is i guess in essence is it is it's sort of exploring um exploring that um in a way but yeah it's it's changed me in that it's allowed me to to kind of live a life where i i can talk about these things without any level of expertise because you know it's that sort of spark that I, that I'm looking to get in people, um, in sort of talking to them and and getting them interested, and us having this conversation now, and uh, like you say, that comes back to the more connectedness of it, rather than this incomprehensible thing that we don't really understand in in some way, you know. Yeah, because for me, like, so I love your enthusiasm about it, and I but I also really appreciate your ability to engage with kind of the meaning of it mm. because, and it, and it makes me wonder about the nature of science as well, because you know, that, you know, being rational and empirical and positivist and we can check out our facts and our theories, but actually this pushes, how this stuff pushes science, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the stuff that that we were just mentioning there, absolutely. You know, we don't understand uh, a, lot, a lot of that stuff. Um, and it, it needs to be in a way, doesn't it? It needs to be pushed in that way. Um, there's this wanting, isn't there, for people to understand their place, not just, you know, in the world, but in in what is our place in, in the universe, if that makes it. Is there a... Um, you know you're into the sort of spiritual side of it then aren't you you mm. know is there a, a place for that and you, yeah because so i've read bits of stuff by rupert sheldrake who talks about um the nature of consciousness and that where so this is not scientific and there'll be people who are listening to this who might go oh what a load of um but his kind of the thesis is that in fact we're like receivers that are picking up um, that consciousness doesn't reside in me that I have that I'm like the mobile phone that's tuned into okay a wider consciousness right okay so that so there's so there's that lot and then there's the people obviously who believe in God as the divine you know the divine creator who's who's created all this stuff I mean where does it leave you with that the kind of the bigger stuff does it it's, does it would are you happy to reside within science or does it push some of that stuff for you um I, i'm no more than happy to reside within science you know because that's that is all we've got this is the stuff that that we can prove this is the stuff that we do know about 
Um, you know, these are the questions that we're asking, that we're striving to understand these things. Um, but yeah, I guess it does leave you with that kind of sense of it, it's it's quite a scary way to look at it as well, because it, it, it's, the, I don't know, um, it, it's almost like a, uh, we, we may never, or I certainly may never fully understand that. And yeah. you know, that's, that's kind of, um, scary, but also the, the sort of learning of that is, is kind of what I find fun and the, the, the you know, having those conversations and finding out about those things that mm. I'm nowhere near expert in that's, that's where the interest lies is, mm. is trying to find out as much about that as you possibly can. But yeah. So what's your edge? Because it sounds like you're learning all the time. What's your learning edge at the moment in terms of what are the things that you're fascinated with at the moment and, and struggling to get your head um, around? In I this don't know. Field? I guess it's, it's different, isn't it? You know, we work in education and there's a very boxed off sort of, yeah. this, is, this is what you should learn, you know, and, and how you should learn it. And if we could get into probably don't want to now but you know how <laughs> that's not really what we're talking about here is it you know no not... no let's step outside of any boxes if, well, you, if you didn't have to be a, in any as box communicator and as a, as a teacher I, I that that's what I try and go beyond I look for that sort of curiosity and I try and sort of strive to to spark that curiosity or to make sort of kids or people or whoever it is that you're engaging with go, right, well, why does that happen? Why does that happen? Um, and, you know, that's where education for me lies in that you, you've got to teach people or children or whatever it is to, to want that education themselves, not how to pass tests, you know, not how to memorize facts, um, but, but how to sort of question things and go, right, well, you know, I know you can't teach curiosity, but we can certainly nurture the curiosity mm. to the point where people will want to educate themselves uh, yeah. about whatever it is that they're interested in, you know, because not everyone can do maths or science or English, no. or whatever it, it happens to be, you know. And I think that's such an, in like that bit there about not everyone can do maths and science. So I, I've told, I told the story on the Colin Tucker podcast about how bad I was at physics at school. But the one thing, that got me through was the was the stars you know that right, yeah. and and like is there a way is where do people like me go that the kind of artists and the writers I am not that I'm an artist but you know the the English teachers um how can you engage with this thinking about the universe do you need do you need to have that science background I, I don't think so personally. I don't think so. But I think people just need to be interested, but you need a, a platform for it, you know, like we're doing now to be able to, to kind of discuss that thing where people are either, it's, it's hard to write it off as not science. It's, sorry, it's easy to write it off as not science, isn't it, in, in talking about the things that, that we're talking about with that. But I don't know, it's... It has to be different from education as well, because there's so much stuff there to, to sort of unpick with it. Stars and cosmology, you would look at it, what, there would be a small unit in maybe year seven when you get to high school. You'll maybe learn the order of the planets, 
you know when, when we used to go to sort of primary schools and do the star dome it'd be like right we'll learn about the moon or the phases of the moon or and it was a very small part of the curriculum that you're learning about mm. again you get to high school you're in year seven you might learn a bit about the planets a bit about atmospheres maybe um and then again you know your gcses you learn very very little in terms of the actual star stuff that that seems to be more interesting to people that's why it always felt like a, a bit of a gimmick when you get the dome out mm. you know, it's like oh look at this great tool that we've got here to be able to talk about this stuff but in terms of the the curriculum the, there's not a lot you could do with that yeah but it's people have that interest there that, that yeah you want to sort of tap into a little bit more you know and, and say right well th- this is dead interesting isn't it oh yeah great let's let's learn some more about it you know so, so that whole thing about your role being to ignite the question why and how ign- yeah. as a question igniter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and yeah. um, teachers got it tough like that, don't they? You know, because it has to be so much more than than that because it, it's very difficult to to do that. So you're not always interested and curious about the world, you know? No. And I kind of want to step away from because we're 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 both aware there's a big conversation we might be having about we're kind of sidestepping the let's talk about education so we're not going to have that conversation here Um, because I kind of so do you does it still fascinate because because I kind of want to remove your interest in in the stars from school and say well what are you interested in just for you what's the thing at the moment that's yeah, captive at getting your attention that may you yeah. may never teach in a school or you may never teach as part of your job but that's and fascinating you i i guess i still do that so you know on a on the level like that so even though i might not do the the sort of stardom and the planetarium shows and things like that i've still got like my telescopes here you know i'll still sit out of an evening and, and look up at the, at the sky and things like that. You know, I like to spend my time sort of outside um, like that and doing that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it, it becomes a bit of a, a bit of a collector's thing as well. Like this sort of amateur astronomy, you know, spotting certain things or. So what do you uh, do? So what's it like sitting out there with your telescope? Because we we did oh, we've done it we did some the kids and I went to this place and we did some stuff with the guys from Jodrell Bank for um, oh yeah yeah, yeah. We, so we star spotted and I have to say that the kids kind of looked through the telescope and went we're a white dot and then that was that yeah. and then uh, and it I have to say even for me there was you know it, but once I'd looked at the white dot and seen it moved around a bit yeah kind of it that my attention the kind of thinking about it was more interesting than the looking at it so I'm kind of curious yeah. about what that's like for you and what, yeah, what are you I guess that's that is where it lies for me as well you know the thinking about it is almost you know astronomy especially the the way in which it's done we're in the UK here it's you know you rarely get a, a nice clear night where you're able yeah. to observe those sorts of things um so that that sort of thinking about what you're actually looking at is is a big part of it as well you know and coming to understand what exactly it is you're looking at as well. You know, if you're looking at a, a constellation of stars, you know, stars that are, are kind of grouped together, like, oh, okay, that makes a nice pretty shape in the sky, that's fine. But actually, that's only from our viewpoint. If I was to look at that group of stars from anywhere else in, in the universe or the galaxy or whatever, then they would look very, very different from from how they look to us here on Earth. So what does that look like in three dimensions? 
you know, yeah. and how far are these stars actually away from each other? And all of you know, that's the thing that really gets me is sort of thinking like each of those that you're looking at is the light that's traveled there. It's taken a long time to, to get to your eyes, but we're detecting that. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's the thought it's the thought then of the the science that then goes into it, you know. So that, yeah. that just and then you know you get your events like a, a spotting a planet or something like that, or like a, a meteor shower, you know that that sort of thing, and, and coming to understand how that sort of fits into. So, it, so something about the looking. So what you're doing is as well as thinking about what you're seeing from different perspectives, kind of shifting your, you know, what would it look like from here? What would it look like from yeah, and that's, that's I guess that's that's how we come to understand things. I certainly do anyway. You know, you, you sort of look at it one way, look at it another, and then try and piece together what the link is mm. sort of between those those two bits. And watch it, because I have seen meteor showers and I was out walking around here not I don't know, probably during lockdown and when there wasn't you know much light and, and the, the roads were clear, but it was dark. I was walking the dogs and I I saw, I thought, oh my God, and I blinked and I blinked and I blinked and I really thought like it was in an episode of Alien because there was a, a line of dots going across the sky yeah. and then got home and Googled line of dots and they were like, oh, it's Elon Musk's whatever oh, it is. Starlink, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, how do you feel about that stuff all being up there? Do you have a, um, a, a feeling Yeah, that's, that's a kind of mixed bag, isn't it? You know, the whole sort of space junk uh, sort of thing. Um, I certainly wouldn't leave, you know, a, a packet of crisps out if I went walking sort of thing. But, you know, these we're talking about massive multi-million pounds worth of, of metal just floating around because they're of, of no use anymore up there. A majority of it does sort of fall back down to earth and stuff eventually. But, yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? It's um, like the ISS, for example. That's always a good one to, to sort of look and, and spot and... I really like it because it, it can be a bit of an event, you know, my, me and my partner here and she'll say, oh, the, the, the ISS is passing. Oh, right. Yeah, let's, let's go and have so a look. So this is the International Space Station, That's right? correct. Yes. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So that then becomes a bit of an event. That's a reason for us to go out and stand there and have a couple of quiet moments. And, you know, it's, it, it becomes that sort of uh, activity that, that you kind of do together then and, whatever comes out of that conversation wise or whatever else is yeah. maybe different than what would have happened if we hadn't have uh, if you'd been watching the telly just sitting there watching netflix or whatever exactly yeah, yeah. and i guess it's something that humans have always done haven't we I, for me that's one of those things it, it kind of connects me to you know ancestors i'm sure as long as there's been people that could look up we've been looking up hmm. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering well, and Mars, of course, we haven't mentioned Mars. How, how, what was that like for you watching the footage from Mars? Um, yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty bonkers, pretty strange. And there's, there's, there's something happening this weekend. I think they've got the little helicopter flying this weekend. <laughs> the, uh, the, is it Ingenuity or whatever it's called? So yeah, it's, it's crazy the advances that are being made. Um, and do you have a take on that? You know, what's your perspective on that? Um, I, again, you know, we used to, that was one of the, it was one of the things I used to say to try and inspire that particularly primary school age kids, you know, those kids who are sort of nine, 10, 11 years old, maybe not quite into science yet, but 
that sort of idea that you know robots and space probes are being sent to Mars, and we're we're talking now within perhaps the next fifty years or so, the fact that we might actually get people walking on another planet. And that was always one of the things that I tried to hook people in with is the fact that, you know, especially these kids who are like nine or 10, that this, this could be you, you might be contributing to within your lifetimes, you may be able to contribute to this mm. event as far as sort of humanity and things like that are concerned, you know? Um, and it, I think that can be quite an inspiration to mm. people. Mm. Um, and how do you feel about, cause I, who was it? Well, let's not get into politics, but the idea of owning parts of space, because there's been that in the news, hasn't there? How do you, because we're, we're great colonizers, aren't we, as human beings? So you're shaking your head. I can see so much. Sure. <laughs> um, there's no need for it, is there? Do you know what I mean? That's that's not why I see the, the you know, uh, NASA and the ESA, the European Space Agency, that's not why they're doing these things, it's not to own it. You know, it's not to, to sort of capitalise it in that way, although maybe, I don't know, ultimately, who knows, but they're doing it for the advancement of science and to understand it a little bit better and, you know, to, to even if we were looking at, you know, colonising Mars and things like that, eventually the, the technological advancement that comes along with that and the things that also come along with that is, is a great benefit as well, you know. See that it's a funny one because I know when the Mars thing was happening, so people listening, uh, sorry again, I'm going to just say, you know, part of me just thinks we haven't done a very good job taking care of this planet. Should we mm. really be <laughs> messing up another one? And like all the space debris, and I, I sort of voiced that view to some friends who were like, "But Julie, it's the world's biggest." But there is part of me thinks, "Well, let's get this one right." <laughs> Let's... Yeah, I, 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 I see can... what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely, you know, I, I'm on board with that in, in terms of, but we couldn't not do the things that we're doing because otherwise, all oh, right, well, we're, we're safe in our own little world here. Why do we need to bother exploring? You know, we're, we're naturally, it, we're curious. That's, that's what mm. we've been talking about this entire time. Yeah. You know, we we want to venture outwards and, and find out what's going on. Uh, sort of beyond our our planet or our solar system or perhaps our universe you know yeah or inwards if we're in a black hole inwards, <laughs> exactly which may eventually end up being outwards but who knows <laughs> so rob we're actually coming towards the end of an hour <laughs> wow really i know so so how would you sum up what all this stuff means to you like what's the biggest thing that if you had to put it in just a couple of sentences, what this has meant to you, all this thinking about the stars and the universe and the cosmos and... Um, I think it, it comes down, for me, it's not just about that. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in any of these fields, but I'm just dead interested in that side of things. And I, th I think that's, that's the important thing for people whatever it is if it is space or if it is you know uh, music or whatever it might be is that have, having that interest that curiosity is, is what kind of drives drives me a little bit more anyway yeah you know? um it's interesting because i read um Liz Gilbert, I love Liz Gilbert, who, who's, uh, she wrote Eat, Pray, Eat, Pray, Love, but she also wrote a book about creativity. 
and she really has curiosity as central to the way that she lives her life mm. and that she do, you know she doesn't believe in five-year plans or any of that sort of stuff I'm sure she has financial plans <laughs> you know that yeah. but the, the, the way that she does things is by following her curiosity um, and it, what's coming across to me when I'm talking to people on the the podcast is that 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 curiosity central and kind of following that there's an energy to it isn't there can you almost feel it in your body when you like um in a way yeah but you know based on what when we were sort of catching up and stuff earlier that's that's kind of where I'm at with this right now and I, I'm really enjoying that uh, you know I, I'm I'm really trying to make the most of that it seems like a really positive way to be to be doing stuff you know yeah. um, and it it's having a positive effect on you know both me personally family whatever it is um it's it seems to be working so I'd like yeah. to like to keep doing it in that way certainly yeah because I think we like there's lots of stuff isn't there about curiosity killing the cat and don't don't be too don't ask too many questions and don't don't be nosy but it's it's like that I can see when you're talking about it that asking questions and not knowing but daring to say I don't know isn't that exciting <laughs> it's like we're it sounds so central to what's giving you energy at the moment yeah I think so yeah that'd be fair to say yeah definitely and you can you can kind of enjoy that as well you know we th there will be certain things that you can't answer or that you're not interested in or that you know you don't know the answer to quite yet or whatever it is but that's fine as well and you know maybe we can explore that a little more when you know when I'm you can then come back to it I yeah. guess what I'm trying to say you know if you're not interested in it at that time right okay let's let's leave that for now let's go with this thing that I am sort yeah. of doing and, and maybe come back to it and it will still be there and those questions yeah you know, those big questions that we ask they are still going to be there you know which is exciting isn't it I love that yeah I lo yeah. yeah so Rob what have you is there anything that you've heard yourself say in this conversation or that you've thought about in this conversation that is useful for you to remember that you think oh I want to remember that bit or I'd forgotten that or um I don't know really I guess my like the stuff that you know that uh, the stuff that I'm able to talk about I I obviously don't I don't know it, it's strange because I, I I don't know it to such a level where it is, uh, you know, I, I can communicate it, I can talk about it a little bit, but I don't know that content. Do you know what I mean? In terms of the mechanics of the black holes and all of that sort of thing, um, I tend to know just a, a little bit about it that I want to know a little bit more. Yeah. And I, I guess I kind of need to refine, I'd like to refine that a bit more. You know, I'd, I've sort of heard myself talking about it and going, yeah, I, I don't understand quite as much as I'd like to about this and um, yeah maybe maybe to revisit some of that stuff you know uh, so that is that coming from a kind of oh I want to know place or a, I should have known place I'm curious um, I guess it's a bit of both isn't it you know but it, it's um it I more of a place of like yeah the the, the wanting to to know you know yeah um because they, they should have known one's such a killer, isn't it? We all, like, I think as soon as you stand up and go, oh, I can talk a bit about this, mm. then 
that we have that internal critic don't we going oh we should you should have known you know like I get it with yeah, psychology it well, why didn't I know that uh, but I think I was listening to something again I listened to lots of podcasts and they were um oh it was a guy called Pete Mosley actually who was uh, um his podcast um the art of shouting quietly um, and he was saying how we're just all on a ladder actually and there's so you've explained things today that what you know for me you know loads more than me and you've you know you've increased my knowledge and and of course there'll be people and a few rungs above you who know more than you and exactly. it takes away yeah. the shame of oh, i don't know that because it, it, it's like well we're all moving up the ladder and we're all helping the people below yeah. us move up that's why it's important to be sort of interested in that in your own right you know and it, it, yeah. It, yeah yeah definitely I do like that it's um it, it, yeah that, that, that's how I'd like to see it as well you know because yeah. you, you do get and this stuff is changing all the time as well isn't it you know so to come on and say oh this is how things are it yeah. might be completely different or somebody else has got a, a slightly different yeah sort of interpretation or way of explaining or yeah so and and so kind of again wrapping it up maybe just something about how every like we talked a lot about the energy of the you know the cosmos being constantly recycling and it's almost like that so therefore the knowledge has to be doesn't it so you if you got to the point where you went right that's it I know it now you'd be like well no you can't because it exactly. keeps yeah, changing exactly yeah you you can you can never sort of know know everything like that can you it's no. um, you would hope not anyway <laughs> um rob it's just been a joy and that's why i wanted to talk to you because it's completely selfish i just love you blow my mind that you know you that that just even thinking about that stuff um and i love that you're able to go to what to the edge of what you don't know i think you know when we can get to that edge all of us and go i just don't know then that's the really interesting place isn't it because um, that's when we get to explore again Yes, yeah, absolutely. No, thank you. It's just been, yeah, interesting. Cheers. Thanks, Rob. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Julie here. Hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. I'd love to hear from you too. If you live in a way that inspires and excites you or if you have a thing that just lights you up and energizes you you can get hold of me at julieleone.com on the contact page and you can also find out more about the writing coaching training teaching yoga um, and workshops that i run at julieleone.com if you've enjoyed the podcast then please like it and subscribe and if you can leave a review then please do just because it helps other people find it so that they get a dose of happy vibes too okay take care speak soon see you at the next episode